Jen Psaki, came out and held a press conference saying that the White House is actively working with Facebook and has flagged posts on Facebook as misinformation for removal. This idea of misinformation, I mean, misinformation is not new, and that is something that is mentioned in some of the articles covering this, but this idea of the government getting involved and social media platforms having to monitor misinformation and fake news, as you will, is really something that started in 2016 or so and has gained a lot of steam. It's also come up with, for example, YouTube policies talking about how they were going to put more emphasis on what they call authoritative sources. You might remember some folks, including myself, did some videos and some segments about that. They were new guidelines that came out a couple years ago. I remember it was around winter time, and it came out a couple years ago talking about how they were purposely going to essentially throttle smaller content creators like myself, for example, in favor of cable news shows and cable news networks because they were better sources of information, which is ironic considering all of the stories that we've seen come out even in the last year alone that legacy media either refuse to report on, actively tried to bury, or were caught, caught falsifying completely. But among all of that landscape has come up this now perpetual argument, right, as to whether or not platforms like Twitter and Facebook, if they should be regulated, and if they should, how much should they be regulated? Whether or not someone getting banned or flagged on these platforms constitu constitutes a violation of free speech. And the argument has always been, and an argument that I admittedly have struggled with myself, is that these are private companies, right? And so we even talked about this last week and the week before, when we talked about all of the alerts people were getting on Facebook about being exposed to extremist content and, oh, you know, go to this link to help support your family and friends to make sure they don't become extremists. We talked about this then and again last week of, all right, so there is this question of, how much do we take into consideration the fact that these big social media platforms have essentially become the new town square, the new place where information is primarily exchanged and disseminated throughout the community? We also have to take into consideration that Facebook and Twitter are some of the primary places that a lot of folks get information directly from their legislators. How many times have we done some story on this live stream and it's like, oh, well, according to this press release that this representative put up on Twitter or that the this army personnel person put up on Twitter, so much of the information that's even given out to the public 
from our lawmakers is now posted directly on Twitter and Facebook. Finally, there is the consideration of how much do these companies work directly with government in order to enforce, perpetuate, whatever you want to call it, different policies, governmental policies. How much do they work in, in concert with the government to control the public narrative? And I use the word control. Some people might hear that word and automatically jump into conspiracy theory land. But the fact of the matter is Facebook and Twitter. Well, Facebook has been running fact checkers for quite some time. And they put the little like COVID-19 banner or whatever under content. They have the, oh, this has been checked by fact checkers banner on things. And we know that Twitter has been beta testing a similar program. There was also, of course, that now famous timepiece that came out that talked about the secret cabal controlling the public narrative. So the fact that Facebook is working to control the information and flow of information is at this point confirmed. What's different now that has happened in the last week is now the White House has admitted that they are working directly with tech companies and are suggesting, we'll put it in air quotes because they're saying that it's not any kind of mandate, but they're kind of making it into a mandate, <laughs> suggesting ways that Facebook Twitter, and other social media platforms control information. And the White House has now admitted that they are directly flagging posts on these social media platforms to be taken down. I think that at that point, now that that has been admitted and announced, that's it. We can no longer use the argument of these platforms being private companies if they are working that directly with the government. Now, remember a few weeks ago as well, the White House came out and said they were working on, quote, new pathways in order to report people for extremism. And they didn't reveal what those pathways were yet. When the you know extremist notification came up on Facebook, I thought, okay, well, maybe this is it. But remember, no, we did a deep dive on that on the stream. And Facebook said, no, this is some other program that we're working on outside of this work with the government. But now we have two instances in which Facebook, we know, is now working directly with the government. At that point, they are basically becoming an informational strong arm of the government. And that private company argument, I think now, is completely moot. So this all started with this tweet that we have from the U.S. Surgeon General on July 15th. And it links to a report that was put out 
by the health department about health misinformation. He says, we all have the power and responsibility to confront health misinformation. That's why we included recommendations for individuals, educators, researchers, health professionals, tech companies, and more. Learn how you can act at surgeongeneral.gov slash the name of the report. So here is the actual report. We're not going to go through the whole thing because it is 22 pages long, but I did go through and highlight some pretty pertinent areas, I thought. So first of all, right off the bat in the little introduction section here, I thought it was interesting. This is supposedly a direct statement from the Surgeon General. Limiting the spread of health misinformation is a moral and civic imperative that will require a whole of society effort. It's funny, everything that is happening now politically is suddenly, oh, the civic duty of every American. Reporting extremist content is the civic duty of every American. Educating people and educating your family and friends about their health misinformation is now your public duty and the civic duty of every American. It's starting to sound a little familiar, isn't it? <laughs> Very reminiscent of uh, some of the World War II propaganda. So one of the little quotes in here, misinformation has caused confusion and led people to decline COVID-19 vaccines, reject public health measures such as masking and physical distancing, and use unproven treatments. Oh, so it's misinformation and people are just confused. They're acting like people are just dumb children and don't have the right to make their own health decisions or question those health decisions, which is kind of interesting because later in the report, it talks about how we need to respect and honor people's questions and answer them appropriately. But here, no, like if you have decided that uh, you're not going to get the COVID vaccine because, I don't know, it hasn't been out long enough to really have any long-term data on side effects. Um, we don't know, for example, they say that it's perfectly safe in pregnant women, but they haven't really followed any pregnancies from beginning to end, and then we don't know how those same babies are going to develop later on because it hasn't been out long enough. Remember what was deemed safe for pregnancy at one point? Thalidomide. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. There is a bunch of medications throughout modern history that were all deemed safe, and later on, oops, turns out that they cause cancer or are linked to birth defects or have all kinds of other horrible things. Also, um, Tuskegee syphilis experiment, anyone? Where they flat out lied about what they were injecting into black people so they could study syphilis and what it did to the body and brain? <laughs> I mean, granted, that was, I believe, in the 1930s, but it's still something that the government did. How about the time that they literally gave children radioactive breakfast cereal to see what would happen? 
that was, I think, in the 50s. Again, not that long ago. <laughs> They've been experimenting on people unethically for quite some time and even into pretty modern history. So that stuff is nothing new. Anyways, you know, maybe it's a matter of, you know, maybe someone has had some severe allergies to medications, for example, and they're choosing not to get it. And anyways, the part about oh, the rejecting public health measures such as masking, physical distancing, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff, the, the social distancing was created by a high schooler and her father for a high school science fair <laughs> that was later turned into a PowerPoint that was given to George Bush. And he liked it because of all the bright colors and the flashing lights on it. If you, if you sit down and actually read the history of how social distancing even became a thing, it's a pretty new phenomenon in dealing with pandemics and disease. When previously it was a matter of protecting the vulnerable, working on herd immunity, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, there's also the whole thing about, they say, unproven treatments. You know, there's also memes going around Facebook right now where they were like, oh, hydrochloroquine doesn't work. And they were banning people that even talked about it because Trump mentioned it that one time. And now all, there's all of these articles coming out, even in the Washington Post, even written by the same people that say, oh, so we were wrong. And these studies actually say that it's a legitimate and good treatment. So <laughs> there's always this question of who is labeling it misinformation and why and whether or not it's politically driven. And there is the problem, my friends. Here they kind of like blame Facebook in this report. They say, well, some websites also combine different kinds of information, such as news, ads, and posts from users into a single feed, which can leave consumers confused about the underlying source of any given piece of content. Oh, oh, so you see, silly Americans, we just get confused and can't tell the difference between a dog meme and a news story. How sad. <laughs> More broadly, misinformation tends to flourish in environments of significant societal division, animosity, and distrust like the political system and legacy media has been pushing and pushing and distorting and making the divide even broader for over four years now. Over five years since even before Trump. But during Trump, they made it even worse. I mean, really, it started during the Obama years. This environment that they're saying that breeds misinformation, the government and media created themselves. And now they are trying to blame Joe Schmo for it and his little Facebook feed. Growing polarization, including in the political sphere, may also contribute to the spread of misinformation. Again, all, pro all problems that were directly created by the government and their lapdogs in the legacy media. Imagine that, that there would be consequences for their actions. 
So then we get to the we can take action section and it talks about, you know, all the people that can uh, contribute to fixing this problem and how they can contribute. Specifically, some technology platforms have improved efforts to monitor and address misinformation by reducing the distribution of false or misleading posts and directing users to health information from credible sources, aka Facebook. But remember, Facebook's fact-checking apparatus sometimes includes sources like Snopes, for example, which I believe is a man and a woman and their cat. <laughs> a lot of the outfits will say that they use for fact-checking are notably biased and sometimes even admit to being biased. But they'll also really like cherry pick their information in a really dishonest way. So, for example, say that the story is um, Liberty Doll held up a bright pink highlighter on her stream. And they would say, false. Uh, she held up a Sharpie on her stream. Or, no, false, uh, the highlighter was neon pink or fuchsia or something like that. And they'll mark it as false. Once you read the whole paragraph, it'll be like, well, no, she really did hold up a pink marker on her stream and it happened to be a different brand. Or she held up a pink marker and it was more of a fuchsia color, but she still held up a pink marker. Doesn't matter. All you see is you go on the website and you lead and you just see the big red false. When you read the rest of the information, it's not really false. They're only picking out a small detail that is false or could possibly be construed in a different way. And those are the sorts of tricks that they pull. You can't really rely on the people that Facebook is choosing as fact checkers to actually be your fact checker. But it comes back to who controls the information. And then what technology platforms can do specifically, they get a whole section where they're told to assess the benefits and harms of products and platforms and take responsibility for addressing the harms. See, this puts them in that weird platform versus publisher debate, but that debate from this point forward, ever since that press release and that little press conference yesterday, makes that argument null and void. The point is moot. It doesn't matter anymore because they're working directly with the government to censor the information on that, their platform with government input directly from White House officials that are in there flagging posts and flagging content. Talks more about fact checkers, um, using specific researchers, strengthening the monitoring of misinformation. They need to increase staffing of multilingual content moderation teams and improve the effectiveness of machine learning algorithms in languages other than English. They also need to address misinformation in live streams, which are more difficult to moderate due to their temporary nature and use of audio and video. So 
they recognize that this is very difficult to do, but now they're going to say, all right, well, these platforms have to figure out the technology and change their AI and their algorithms to specifically target these types of content. They need to prioritize early dis detection of misinformation super spreaders and repeat offenders. So if you share a couple of memes that Facebook doesn't like, well, you, my friend, are an extremist repeat offender and you gotta go. That's just the way that it is in 1984 Biden land. They also want to evaluate the effectiveness of internal policies at these tech companies in order to address misinformation and be transparent with findings. Oh, yes, this wonderfully transparent administration is going to require social media companies to be more transparent. I doubt it. They say that this would include communicating why content is flagged, removed, downranked, or left alone. But just because they're requiring transparency doesn't mean that it is transparency with the people using the product. It's likely transparency with the government because in this little press conference that Jen Psaki had, she complained that misinformation posts were up too long. And well, why were some of these repeat offenders allowed to keep their accounts? So yes, transparency to the government. Probably not to you and me. Platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are notoriously terrible about being transparent with their policies. And even when you communicate with them directly and ask them what's up and what this policy means or specifics, you get ignored or you get a link back to the article to which you're referring to anyways. That has happened to me several times in dealing with YouTube. You have to be uh, more proactive now if you are a big tech company in getting rid of this misinformation. And you need to amplify communications from trusted messengers and subject matter experts to reach target audiences and specifically direct people to a broader range of credible sources, including community organizations. And finally, prioritize protecting health professionals, journalists, and others from online harassment. So from there, we had this press conference with the Surgeon General. They also said in this press conference, we're asking health organizations to proactively address misinformation with their, par their patients. Today, the American Academy of Pediatrics is announcing an educational campaign to help parents navigate online health information. This part just wigged me out because the vaccines aren't even approved for little itty bitty children right now and there still is that pesky problem of the heart inflammation that they're seeing in adolescence but full steam ahead with the american academy of pediatrics and and talking to parents about getting their kids vaccinated okay uh i i believe one of the parts of the hippocratic oath is do no harm but you know what we'll go with it Fourth, we're saying we expect more from our technology companies. We're asking them to operate with greater transparency and accountability. We're asking them to monitor misinformation more closely. We're asking them to consistently take action against misinformation, super spreaders, and their platforms. 
We know that government can play an important role, too, by investing in research, by bringing individuals and organizations together to address misinformation, and by supporting groups that are working on the issue. And we actually have some videos of this, and this is, this is just great. I was like, you know what? Why read it when we can hear it from her? directly. So let's do that, shall we? A, a participant in the process would aid, aid the effort. And then speaking of misinformation and the announcement from yesterday, for how long has the administration been spying on people's Facebook profiles looking for vaccine misinformation? Well, that was quite a loaded and inaccurate question, um, which I would refute. Well, Peter, first of all, as you know, we're in, we're in a regular touch with with a range of media outlets. As as let me finish. As we are as we are in regular touch with social media platforms, this is publicly uh, open information. People sharing information online, just as you are all reporting information on your news stations. But Okay, so these 12 people who you have on a list, 12 individuals, do they know that somebody at the Surgeon General's office is going through their profile? I'm happy to get you the citation of where that comes from. There's no secret list. I will tell you that these are people who are sharing information on public platforms on Facebook, information that is traveling is inaccurate. Our biggest concern here, and I frankly think it should be your biggest concern, is the number of people who are dying around the country because they're getting misinformation that is leading them to not take a vaccine. But Young people, old people, kids, children, this is all being, a lot of them are being impacted by misinformation. The big concern, though, I think, for a lot of people on Facebook is that now this is Big Brother watching you. They're more concerned about that than people dying across the country because of a, a pandemic where misinformation is traveling on social media platforms. That feels unlikely to me. If you have the data to back that up, I'm happy okay, to discuss it. About things that are on Facebook, I looked this morning. So there we have it. Uh, the list that they were referring to of 12 people is at another point in the press conference, uh, Jen Psaki said that the government has a list of 12 accounts specifically that they have labeled as super spreaders of misinformation, and they want Facebook to delete those accounts. Those are the, the posts and the accounts that they've been saying like, oh, well, you know, why do they still exist? Why aren't they banned? Why haven't they been deleted? Why haven't their posts been taken down? And there is a list. Now, I think it's interesting that this reporter asks her, well, how long has the government been watching these communications? And he does use the word spying, which is a loaded term, but that is essentially what it is. And she says, well, it's it's public information. It's public posts on Facebook. Well, n not everybody on Facebook has a public profile like myself. And she also is pushing this thing of, well, people are dying because they're, they're not getting vaccinated. And that's more important than whether or not you think that it's Big Brother. I doubt that people are really that worried about Big Brother, blah, 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 blah. And she never does answer whether or not these 12 people know that they're on the government list, which is one of the features, not a bug, of government lists. 
If you have the data to back that up, I'm happy okay, to discuss it. About things that are on Facebook, I looked this morning. Uh, there are videos of Dr. Fauci from 2020 before anybody had a vaccine, and he is out there saying there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. So is the administration going to contact Facebook and ask them to take that down? Well, first, I think what Dr. Fauci has said himself, who's been quite public out there, is that science evolves, information evolves, and we make that available in a public way to the American people. Exactly. I, I, I have never seen any data to suggest that uh, that the vaccines cause infertility. That is information that is irresponsibly but, traveling. Okay. Just one more. Just one more. About the science evolving, Facebook used to post... I used to block people from posting that COVID may have originated for a lab. That is something this president now admits is a possibility. So is there any concern that things you are trying to block or have taken down might someday turn out to be... We don't take anything down. We don't block anything. Facebook and any private sector company makes decisions about what information should be on their platform. Our point is that there is information that is leading to people not taking the vaccine and people are dying as a result. And we have a responsibility as a public health matter to raise that issue. And the responsibility we all have, the government, media, platforms, public messengers, to give accurate information. Go ahead. So she talks about uh, elsewhere in the press conference about how they are flagging posts specifically on Facebook for misinformation. The government... The White House is flagging posts on Facebook for misinformation, but then also says, well, we don't take anything down. We don't block anything. No, they're they're going in there and looking at Facebook and Twitter and telling these companies what they need to take down. So technically, I suppose she's right, but only on a technicality it's a matter of who's pressing the button, and it just happens to not be Jen Psaki. We also have uh, this clip, and this was the one where she specifically talks about the 12 people. So about, I think this was a question asked before, there's about 12 people who are producing 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. All of them remain active on Facebook, despite some even being banned on other platforms, including Facebook, ones that Facebook owns. Third, uh, it's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly on social media platforms. Sometimes it's not accurate, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts. Posts that will be within their policies for removal often remain up for days. That's too long. The information spreads too quickly. Finally, we uh, have proposed they promote quality information sources in their feed algorithm. Facebook has repeatedly shown that they have the leverage to promote quality information. We've seen them effectively do this um, in their algorithm over low quality information, and they've chosen not to use it in this case, and that's certainly an area that would have an impact. So these are uh, certainly the proposals. Uh, we engage with them regularly, and they certainly understand what our asks are. So there it is. The government has a list of 12 accounts specifically that they believe need to be taken down for misinformation. And uh, they're complaining that those accounts are still on Facebook and some of their posts have been up for too long. And that reporter that was questioning Jinsaki had some really good points. He brought up the fact of 
Fauci acknowledges moving goalposts on herd immunity from COVID-19. This was something that was fact-checked frequently on Facebook. Fauci's own moving goalposts and changing information. The media's lab leak debacle shows why banning misinformation is a terrible idea. And this article over on Reason was from June. Again, talking about how the media and Facebook was really trying to bury the lab leak theory as misinformation. And now there's officials coming out and saying, well, oh, well, actually, uh, so it turns out that this does kind of hold some merit. And of course, we had Anthony Fauci's emails where he was talking to people from the Wuhan lab and they were thanking him for trying to get that theory squashed. This is what the New York Post has to say. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Thursday that the Biden administration is identifying problematic posts for Facebook to censor because they contain misinformation about COVID-19. Actually, I believe this is where she flat out says that. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. And there we have it. There is the admittance that they are flagging posts on Facebook for Facebook that they believe are disinformation. The White House is flagging posts on Facebook for Facebook right out of the horse's mouth. She disclosed the government's role in policing social media during her daily press briefing after the Surgeon General's report came out and after the Surgeon General called on companies to purge more pandemic posts. The demand for censorship and Saki's admission of government involvement follows a series of flip-flops from health officials who contradicted themselves throughout the pandemic on issues such as math, mask efficacy as well as censorship claims of claims that later gained credibility such as the theory that COVID-19 linked from a Chinese lab. And you know, it really makes me wonder if uh, this stream and the little clip that I take out of it are going to get flagged on YouTube and Facebook. It's, it's, it's a high possibility at this point. It sounds like even though we used direct sources from the report itself and C-SPAN's coverage of the press conference. Seki also said we are in regular touch with the social media platforms and those engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff and also members of our COVID-19 team. Given as Dr. Murthy, Surgeon General, conveyed, this is a big issue of misinformation specifically on the pandemic. So there we have another admission that social media platforms and the White House are directly working together on this project to flag posts and decide what is and isn't misinformation in a time where she admits that the science 
often and sometimes quickly changes and that the information can often and quickly change doesn't matter. She says what matters is the fact that unvaccinated people are dying and are spreading their disease. And that it is misinformation on Facebook and no other possible reason why people might choose not to get the vaccine. That is the only reason and it is the government's job to fix it. Thanks for tuning in for this clip of the Liberty Dollhouse live stream. Please check out my channel for other videos on dedicated topics as well as my live stream every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. As always, thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next one.